Welcome everyone again to the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series Show Podcast. My name is Clay McCormick and with me is... Sean Murphy, your willing assistant. <laughs> Rather well, I than wouldn't, unwilling. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call you an assistant. Uh, yes, you would. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Um, and we are here to talk about, once again, we're talking about Batman the Animated Series. And this week or i guess it's technically not week because we're dropping these all at the same time so uh this hour of your day we're going to be talking about feet of clay parts one and two which is the first appearance of clayface in this series What we've been doing is we we're talking about both of them just kind of as one big piece because it's, it's it makes it a little bit easier to talk about I think yeah and uh, part one was has a story by Marv Wolfman and Michael Reeves teleplay by Marv Wolfman directed by Dick Sebast part two has story by Marv Wolfman and Michael Reeves teleplay by Michael Reeves uh, and in it Bruce Wayne is framed for the attempted murder of Lucius Fox. The real perpetrator is an actor and master of disguise named Matt Hagen, who was disfigured in a car accident years ago. In order to keep his fame, he secretly started working for Roland Daggett, who provides him with a monthly supply of an addictive face cream known as Renew You, mm. a, pun, a pun on, you know, renewing you, right. uh, that can <laughs> temporarily reshape his face back to normal and who wants to take Wayne Enterprises over for marketing expansion. For botching the murder, Hagen's supply is cut off, and when he breaks into Daggett's lab for more Renew You, he pays the price dearly when Daggett's men drench his face in the formula and force him to swallow liters of it to av- to avoid drowning. That doesn't make any sense, Wikipedia. Anyway. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bruce Wayne is arrested and taken into custody, charged with the assault on Lucius Fox. Um, that's just the breakdown of the first one, but, you know, second one. More of the same. Wayne, yeah, yep. Bruce Wayne, Batman fights Clayface. Uh, so... The biggest interest, the most interesting thing right off the bat with this one is uh, Marv Wolfman's credit, as he is the first, as far as I know, he's the first comic book writer to have a writing credit on Batman the Animated Series. Well, Paul Dini, uh, he wrote comics after this, but he didn't write any before this? I I don't think so, Uh, but Marv Wolfman is is very widely known as a comics writer. Right. Uh, created Blade for Marvel, and he wrote Crisis on Infinite Earths, and you know he's done. He's been writing comics for years and years. So this right. is the first veteran writer of comics to, right. to be featured on the show. Nice. Um, yeah. Clayface. So before we start talking about Clayface himself, uh, how did you feel about this first episode? Because I think the story's really good, but they must have just been. Saving the good stuff for part two because I think the animation in this first episode is garbage. Yeah, they picked a different company to do part two. Um, they went with a, obviously a much better. Uh, they had a whole like T one thousand type of special effects you had to deal with with Clayface, um, and they they really blew their load on the second part. And I'm glad that they did. I mean, of course, I wish this animation company did all the episodes. Yeah, um, but you know, I understand the real how you know you got to be realistic and uh, scheduling and all that stuff. So. 
I'm glad that uh, they did it the way they did because we got a really great part two. Yeah, I think this might be... Is this the first one that we've seen, first two-parter, where the second part has really stepped it up over the first part? Um, I Although, to be fair, I don't know if that's fair for me to say because I think the story is actually really good across both of them. Right. But part two, visually, I think is heads and tails above the first one. Yeah, there's a part where... Um Batman does a somersault on stage, and it's really well animated. And then the fun they have with Clayface, like shooting a hand out of his chest, or, yeah. or, or like he gets knocked over and he reverses his position by he flows, so his head's on where his feet were a second right. later. You know, instead of having to get up and turn around, stuff like that is is really great. It makes me wonder why they've never done a Clayface in a movie, especially with where CGI is right now. Yeah, you know, I as as much as people hate uh spider-man 3 and it's probably right to do so because it's not a very good movie right uh the sandman special effects are pretty awesome yeah and i think they could do just as good stuff if not better stuff with clayface because he's i think honestly i think what it is is clayface is too out there for the way that they've been playing Batman in the movies up to this point. Yeah, that's that's probably the reason. I agree. He pro- he probably would have fit in the Joel Schumacher movies, but <laughs> I'm, even not maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, he probably he would fit there if he's going to fit anywhere. But I mean, yeah, yeah, they're, they're they don't go too sci-fi on Batman. Yeah, no, especially lately. He's a, yeah, and he he's a very sci-fi type of character. You'd have to just go all the way. Like I can see him working well in an Arkham Asylum cutscene or something. Mm. Well, what's interesting about Clayface, if we're going to get into him, is that uh, I think this is the first villain that we've come across who, at least in the comics, has multiple different versions of himself. So, you know, the Joker is al- has always been the same character. Mr. Freeze has always been the same character. Two-Face has always been Harvey Dent, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Clayface, there have been nine versions of Clayface in the comics. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, the first one... His name. I'm not going to go through all of them, but the first the first one whose name is Basil Carlo, uh, which is a play on uh, the actors Basil Rathbone and Boris Karloff, and he was a horror movie actor in the 30s. Cool. And uh, the his he didn't have any clayfacey powers. He was just uh, he had played a, a villain named Clayface in a horror movie, and when they remade the horror movie without him, he was really pissed off. So he decided to take on the the person the character of Clayface and start killing everybody who is involved with the movie. I love these jaded actors as as motivation. <laughs> I know it's great. This that plot is actually identical to a movie that was made in the 70s called Madhouse starring Vincent Price and Peter Cushing which I oh, highly yeah. recommend. It's really awesome. Yeah. And uh, the second one Clayface 2 was Matt Hagen the Clayface we see in this episode. Was he also and an actor? No, he was an adventurer who finds a protoplasmic pit that when he jumps into it gives him the clayface powers but they only last for like 2 days so he has to keep going back into the pit and re-upping everything. Right. <laughs> clayface 3 was named Preston Payne and he didn't have clayface powers either. Well, he sort of did but only a little bit, but his main thing was that he had this weird disease that made his face and skin all melty and weird and gross. Mm-hmm. So he had to create this superpowered exoskeleton for himself uh and he also he kind of had to like vent off disease energy or something so he had to 
what? touch other people that would then melt and kill them in order to stave off the thing so, that was killing him. It's really so, weird. So we have three different origins for Clayface superpowers. Yeah. Uh, this, is there something about getting these powers that just automatically turns you to a life of crime? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're a vi- you're in a comic book, so it's either a good guy or a bad guy. But what if what if this guy had a, a fourth uh, way he had gotten some clay-faced disease, and he's walking down the street, and Batman just tackles him, and he just takes him to jail, and the guy hasn't even done anything yet. Batman's <laughs> like, no, 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 you're, you're the next Clayface. I'm sure it's only a matter of time. You mean like Clayface profiling? Yeah. You know, it's really hard to be a man of clay in Gotham these days. I know. I know. Uh, but uh, but and after that, they even uh, they 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 there was a female Clayface, and then there was a uh, a team of Clayfaces called the Mud Pack, huh. and then there were a, that's actually kind of clever. Mud Pack. That's cool. Yeah, there was one of them that was uh, the son of the female Clayface in Clayface 3. So I, it's really fascinating to me that there have been so many different versions of this character. At a, at a certain point, uh, I think specifically like post-Crisis on Infinite Earths, mm-hmm. everybody, they, like all of the Clayfaces had Clayface powers. So they like retconned Basil Carlo, Matt Hagen, and Clayface 3 that they all had the shape-shifting powers. So it's like the right, right. heritage of the character. But it's it's I find it really interesting that they've gone. He's kind of like he's kind of like a muddy Green Lantern, where it just goes from different person to person, and he gets the the Clayface power to make things with his mind. A muddy Green Lantern. <laughs> but thankfully, thankfully for this for the show, I think they did what they do well on the show, where they take a couple different versions of the character, pick and choose what they like, and kind of distill it down into a one. Yeah, like ultimate version, like what they did with Mister Freeze. Yeah, I think that's the nice thing about other media taking control of comics. Mm-hmm. So a movie or a cartoon, as much as comic readers complain, I think that's their natural state. It's just to complain. I feel like movies in in animation they do stream out or filter out a lot of the crap that comics have collected over decades, mm-hmm. and they manage to stick to the the workable bullet points rather than try to you know please everybody and i think they they did a good job of streamlining him here you know i think the the problem with clayface for me as a purist is i love the character and the motivation and the tragedy of this like errol flynn druggie basically uh going mm-hmm. through this you know this this drama i can see why the temptation would be to just turn it into a monster movie and focus in on his crazy superpowers but uh i feel like it's better when they let his character stuff shine through and not overwhelm it with special effects so to say you know yeah definitely i think you know this episode i thought was very well written uh well the the, these these two episodes i thought were really well written um specifically if we're just looking at the first episode i really like the structure of the first episode because even though the you've got sort of batman doing his own thing and you know Matt Hagen doing his own thing, and they're very tangentially related. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't; it allowed these things to happen concurrently, and it wasn't just oh, Batman knocked him into some acid or something like that. It was you actually had Batman doing some detective work, trying to clear Bruce Wayne's name after being uh, <laughs> framed for murder. Yeah, and I, the Matt <laughs> and the Matt Hagen thing uh, was kind of its own thing. All, mm-hmm. But they're all part of the same larger story, and I just I thought it was kind of I fe- it felt kind of unique as far as the way these these the show has been structured so yeah, far. Yeah. What did you think of the uh, the um, 
Radar, the guy with the headphones or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a very Dick Tracy-style villain. Yeah. I, I, I noticed when Batman was in the Batplane and he, he was changing his voice to a woman's voice, pretending to be the, you know, police, that mm-hmm. the woman actually spoke a little faster than Batman spoke. <laughs> <laughs> it's always bugged me. Ever since I was 12, I don't know why that's bugged me. <laughs> well, it's it's because of the compression filter that he's using in the Batwing, and it's, you know, it speeds... I don't know, I have no yeah. idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that, that whole sequence, I kind of... Everything with that whole sequence I thought was terrible. Yeah. I mean, the, the, Grabbing the, him with these claws, like, you could have just snapped that dude in half, and luckily he fell... In. He dropped yeah, him into a tree or a pool or something, right? After Yeah, after flying the Batwing <laughs> into a, uh, a, a underground car tunnel... Yeah, like, no, big, no, no hazard there, Batman. Yeah, how big is that thing supposed to be, or how small is that thing supposed to be? Yeah, yeah, and the animation just looked really bad in that whole sequence. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was really stiff, and it, it, throughout the whole thing, it felt really stiff. I mean, that first sequence where Lucius Fox goes to uh, hand off those papers to who he thinks is Bruce Wayne, and, the, and Batman shows up, and that first Batman fight was really—it looked like it looked like people playing a video game and not knowing what the controls were. Yeah. Batman shooting straight up in the air and running around in circles. Yeah, <laughs> typical Halo newbie or, move. <laughs> or like the, or like you know where the 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 AI bad guys are waiting for you to engage them, so they're just sort of standing there doing nothing, but you're not doing anything. So you're so it's just kind of like dead time until one of you throws a punch. I know. I hate when that happens. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I uh, yeah, I thought that that. Um, sequence where he was tracking that guy down got a, a little little intense i mean a little over the top batman there's a lot of uh, collateral damage and risk that you went through if you wanted to scare the hell out of the guy as far as i know you're pretty good at popping out of shadows and you know or yes, uh, yeah. or threatening to dump uh, diseased water on top of people's heads you know yeah and it's i you know i, I didn't really think it needed that stuff either because i mean they they batman in this episode is a, a little bit more detective batman Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if he needed to go that far over the top with it, like you're saying. I mean, there he could have yeah. just jumped jumped on the top of the guy's car and you know, or something, and pulled him out and done it yeah. face to face or something. You know, yeah, something totally. a little bit more a little bit more personal and Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. face to Clayface. Hey. Uh, so 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 that that one of the things that we had talked about uh, previously. We get into whether or not things would or wouldn't work in comics. Do you think that? Do you think that Batwing scene would work any better in a comic? Because hmm. I because the usually the mentality is that stuff with movement doesn't really work as well in comics, but that scene may as well not have movement because the animation is crap. But yeah, the it's so over the top that do you think that would play any better if they did it in a comic? I think I could make it work. Um, one thing that the the mechanism he uses to grab the guy looks like. Like the front of an ant, you know, the way that it shears things in half. Like oh, it looked, yeah, yeah. I would have designed something that was, looks like it's meant to hold a human safely, at least. Mm-hmm. Or had the guy, you know, hanging off of a, a cord on the back. Like, th- I, I could see it working. But yeah. uh, a lot of the reasons why that scene bugged me was because, like you said, the size of the plane compared to the tunnel. Uh, the animation was not great. The guy just, you know, falls and lands on a roof. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I think could have been a lot better that you could have cleaned up in a comic. How about you? Yeah, yeah, I think I think I think what you would gain from doing it in a comic is you could lean a little bit more on spectacular single images. Mm-hmm. You know, so like the idea of flying the batwing through a a, a underground tunnel 
doesn't really realize that great when you have to figure out the physics of it in an animation thing. Right. But if you had like one really awesome shot of the Batwing, you know, three feet above a bunch of cars flying yeah. through the, I bet that would be really cool. Yeah. That could be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if they set up that the guy was afraid of heights or something first. Yeah. 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 What do you think about Clayface when he forms tools? It mm -hmm. seems like he can form metal and wood and lobster claws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of weird. Uh, I assumed, well, I guess they established that he can make clothes that have different colors on them. That's true. So I guess I guess you could say that it's just yeah. it's it's not literally metal, it's just made to look like metal. Right. But the color and everything, huh? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it's Well, so Yeah. If I was going to do Clayface um, now, I think I would almost... I love the idea of this drug going out and being tested on multiple humans. And I like the idea that there were nine different Clayfaces because you could see like a, a test group get... Every one of them gets sick with this Clayface you know, disease or whatever. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. they each have a slightly different take on that disease. And maybe there's even like a small team of Clayface. And I'm not saying they have to like combine into one Clayface. But what if they each had different elements of clay? Like one guy could form ceramic because ceramic is basically dirt. Oh, what yeah. if he could basically be waterproof? I mean, they make ceramics stronger than metal in some in some instances. Um, oh yeah, they, yeah. They sell ceramic uh, cutting blades for sure. Or then but you could have like the money they, guy, and you know. Yeah, but I mean, uh, what is it? Um, bulletproof vests have extra ceramic plating that they use. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see like a team of people getting this, and maybe some of the members don't want to be villains, and they they. They don't want to do this stuff, and some of them are more evil. And there's like a, you know, there. It's kind. It's kind of like. Uh, do you know that the group, the Metal Men, the DC oh, group, yeah. the Metal Men, where? Yeah. Yeah, it seems kind of like that, where each one of them has a different property. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Damn it! It's already been done. Never mind. There's uh, uh, Wikipedia. As I was looking up Clayface, informed me that one of the stories they ended up doing is well, the the end to the Mud Pack story is um, the first Clayface, Basil Carlo, ends up getting uh, blood samples from all of the other clay faces mm -hmm. and basically injects himself with all of it and gains all of their powers at once. Oh. And, and becomes like the ultimate clay face. Oh, that's all right. So it has been kind of, it's been done. Yeah, a little bit. But These hey, clever writers. stop anybody else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think of Clayface as a character uh, as far as the, the Matt, Matt Hagen himself <laughs> into Clayface? He's kind of a dick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna lie. He's kind of a dick. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> I like I like him. I think he's good. I think he's uh, uh, he's he's. I like that the uh, they start him as this vain actor who's just trying to keep his job, maintain his career, which mm -hmm. then leads him down the path of having to uh, be in debt to this you know evil Daggett or I don't I don't know what you would call him industrialist I guess right. Um, which then, you know, after he gets overloaded with the stuff, he's kind of, it kind of, it kind of drives him crazy, but it kind of doesn't. It's like that line where he's realizes he now has the power to get revenge sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think what makes it work, and this is, this is one of the things that makes it work. And this is something I've noticed they do in the show. And I really appreciate is the newer villains, or at least the, uh, the villains who are created in the course of the show, um, when a lot of them, when Batman, uh, when Batman encounters them for the first time, 
Mm-hmm. They play Batman where he kind of gives them the benefit of the doubt a little bit. Yeah. Where he's not... In this one especially where uh, uh, when Clay, Clayface grabs that uh, hitman that Daggett sends out to kill Lucius Fox at the hospital. Mm-hmm. When Batman starts to fight him on the roof, he's not hitting him. He's just kind of dodging everything. And then at a certain point, Clayface gets tired and he can't do anything. And Batman doesn't, like, punch him. He just kind of goes... Wow, you, you're getting tired, so you just can't. That's you can't right. keep that up. That's kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah, yeah. He's more fascinated by him, and then he kind of <laughs> gives him, he kind of gives him the benefit of the doubt that maybe yeah. this guy isn't entirely bad. And I really like that they they give Batman that trait too. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine. I, I love the scene at the end where Batman takes all these VHS tapes and prepares yeah. the, the the fight scene, and he's going to basically undo Clayface emotionally by showing mm-hmm. him all these you know roles he was in. Um, what gave Batman the impression that that would do the trick to attack I have no him? Idea. Like to attack him psychologically? Like what was the the clue there? Like how did he know that would be the thing? That's what I'm curious about. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I guess you could, if you wanted to, really string a line that isn't explicitly said. You could draw a line between him seeing how he yeah. gets overtired by changing faces, but. I, it, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, maybe yeah. it's him playing on his vanity and the and knowing that changing faces or changing, uh, uh, right? You know, what makeup is overtires him and stuff. I don't know. That's a yeah. good question. Well, that guy. Uh, so Clayface's um, stand-in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I like that character a lot because um, he's he sort of what gives Clayface his humanity. Because yeah. this, this guy is not a criminal. He seems very nice. He cares about Matt a lot. I I would even suggest there's might be, I there might be a gay relationship there. That's very <laughs> subtle. And I'm not just trying to be funny. Like I think that that's that actually not an that's not an interesting way to go with this. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, they don't uh, they don't lean into it that much. But no. I mean, you definitely could connect those dots if you wanted to. Uh, if Batman had contacted that guy and that guy gave Batman a clue to who Matt Hagen used to be, and he hands Batman these tapes and says, these will do the trick, you know, something yeah, like that. I think I think that scene should be in there, and now that you say that, I think that's a missing scene, and I think that would um, really tie the story together really nicely, because that second, that character you're talking about, he kind of disappears after a certain point. Yeah. And uh, he shows up in the very last scene uh, as he's saying bye to Matt because he thinks he's dead. Yeah. But there's no real resolution there um, as far as his character arc goes. Uh, right. And I mean, it's, the, the, idea, the idea that they would give a third uh, a tertiary character in a kid's cartoon show in the early 90s, like a full character arc, is probably asking too much. But yeah. Uh, yeah. it's definitely, I think you're right. I think there's one scene there that could definitely tie everything together really nicely. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, man. I love, uh, man. In these, the roles he was in, like he's got, he was a conquistador. He was a World War yeah. One soldier. It's one. He looks like Kurt Russell in one. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. I just think of Errol Flynn for this guy. Yeah. Oh, he definitely. Uh, they definitely kind of give him that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. I believe Basil Carlo uh, in the comics was was created, uh, modeled after Lon Chaney, uh, as he was known as the Man of a Thousand Faces. Right. Um, but yeah, they, it's sort of taking that idea of uh, 
it's obviously taking that idea of being uh, unrecognizable in these different characters and and turning it into a literal transformation. It's a, it's a cool idea. I mean, it's yeah. a, those any any character that that can change forms is always fun, especially in a uh, animated TV show. Yeah, yeah. Have when, there uh, been? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to ask uh, when he first had the operation that made him need uh, Daggett's formula. W- mm-hmm. Was he injured or was he just having plastic surgery or what was the cause? Uh, he he was in a car accident, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing that they do that I thought was actually kind of unique. I don't think that they've done this yet where in a two-parter, they don't give you the origin of what's of of Hagen's uh, situation until the second episode. So they start the first episode with him already working for Daggett, already addicted to this stuff, and you don't find out what the deal with that is at all until the second episode. Yeah, that's a good point. What do you think of Daggett as a character? Um, I don't know. He's he's fine. I mean, he serves his purpose. He's kind of a little thin, thinly yeah. drawn. Uh, I used to get I, mixed up between him and Rupert Thorne. Yeah, when I, was, when I, was I actually until I saw the character, I I in my head I was thinking that he was Rupert Thorne. Right. Because uh, I don't I don't think he comes back again. Maybe he does. I don't know. But uh, he's he's kind of thinly drawn and kind of generic but he does does the job i guess well daggett i've always liked daggett maybe it's just the voice actor i think that guy's really good oh yeah Um, yeah he's great uh, and i can see the need for a business person um that's a villain but has never really been caught kind of like a donald trump type um yeah but not as over the top (laughs) 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 um um, but i've always liked daggett for some reason and i think he's he's been in um was he in the uh Crime Alley episode. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at it right now. He shows up in one, two, three, four, five, five episodes. I yeah, think. and was also a movie. I think a Batwoman animated movie. Um, oh right, yeah. That was. I don't think it was very good at all. But he was mm-hmm. in it, and it was nice to see him again. They also use a diff. Uh, in the Dark Knight Rises, there's a character named Daggett who's named John Daggett, but mm-hmm. not not uh, what's his name. Right. Roland. I don't know why they changed that. But. Roland Daggett, yeah. You know, one thing that always confused me is at the very end, uh, Batman's got this uh, electricity needle, and he's in the cave, and he's poking at this clay, and he's like, uh, hey, Alfred, check this out. And he zaps it, and the thing, the clay, like, freaks out, and then it goes back to being a ball, and mm-hmm. uh, Alfred's like, oh, so nothing happens at all. And I always want to say, did you not just see this thing <laughs> flip out? Like, that's not nothing, man. <laughs> I mean, I think what they meant to say is it generally leaves it unaffected. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it does. It does fall into the trend that we've noticed of Alfred just sort of being a prick. Yeah. Where it's like it's like <laughs> if you were to spend all day, you know, playing in the mud, and you build this amazing like mud sculpture, and then you ask your dad to look at it, and the only thing your dad says is you look like you need a shower or something. You're completely, completely <laughs> ignoring the amazing feat that you've just created. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, fuck you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, one other thing that I loved about um, Clayface is his theme song is so great. Um, oh, you know, I never really, I didn't really notice it, but uh, please when, talk about it. <clears throat> when you go back, it, it is very poignant, and it, I think it, it's such a great song. It's such a tragic uh, set of notes that um, it goes a long way. If Clayface is already operating at eighty percent it cranks it up to 100 because i think yeah. that it just it just helps uh, reinforce sort of the tragedy of the character because matt hagan the way he acts is such an asshole you don't really feel the tragedy 
but you see his stand-in who cares an awful lot about him and then Mm. in another episode he's dating this girl who works in a lab by a cliff and she's in love with him or his character at least and you know he gets watered down and when he falls in the ocean and they play the music again and i just thought it was a really great way i'm wondering how much of the tragedy i felt was due to the writing the animation the mythology of it or just the music you know right i i was just gonna say do you do you think clayface is a tragic character or do you think he he's tragic by proxy or by the 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 way that the people around him react to him yeah i mean what i'm saying i guess is it's tragic by proxy what do you think yeah i think you're probably i think you're probably right uh because i mean i guess he's tragic in that he was you know, he was in a car accident that messed his face up, and then he got addicted to this drug. But I mean, he's right. he's not tragic the way that Mister Freeze is tragic. Because, no, you know, Mister Freeze is tragic because so, somebody victimized him on purpose. Yeah, and you know, and exactly. Hagen is just a bad driver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, but even even after that, though, it's like he's not. There's he's not going after anything redeemable really he's just yeah he just wants he just wants to look good he just wants to be able to keep working as a he wants right. to be known as a famous actor there's nothing he's not like yeah I, I not that they should have done this but it's not like the one where he uh with the guy with the invisible suit is looking you know trying to get money for his kid or something right like that, yeah you know? yeah i mean they could easily crank that up a bit more like if they had Hagen um, was a victim at the beginning when he took this. Maybe he was getting older and he didn't want to get older because he didn't think that he would get cast as much. So he's dealing with the whole ageism thing. Or maybe, you know, when now he's Clayface, his his kids are gone. You know, you could have really punched him around a lot more to make him more angry. But his his anger is just, just coming straight from him. There isn't a whole lot of motivation for him to be so pissed off other than a daggett you know but yeah. he's not pissed off a daggett he's pissed off a batman he's pissed off a gotham he just hates everybody <laughs> yeah well he kind of gets there i feel like he's he's made more pissed off with daggett to begin with but obviously by the end of the episode these yeah. villains become pissed off with everybody yeah. But yeah i think that would be interesting to because i think there would be a way to do the same kind of story with but give him make him a little bit more relatable and still instead of just being a uh, a vain actor who is now yeah instead of just being mildly disfigured he's now incredibly disfigured and and that's right. where all of his yeah uh rage is coming from you know yeah or these chores um, these chores he does for Daggett you know that, that sounds really interesting like maybe he you know acted like the Joker once maybe he spent some time in Arkham as a favor I mean he could you could there's endless possibilities you could do to show him being used while he's yeah. just trying to get a cure or get more of the drug, you know? Yeah, especially since they don't really get into that stuff that much because, I mean, they, they give it to you at the beginning that he's working for Daggett. Right. Um, but they only kind of talk about it in passing, you know? Yeah, they, yeah. Um, But, yeah, if, if, if he were working for Daggett to the, po- to the point where he's been, you know, he, he really doesn't want to do it anymore... But he's he's too deep in this to get out now. That kind of thing. Yeah, that, that would be, be great. Really, that would be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I would love that. That's a great take. And obviously, it's a kids show. They only have two, you know, forty four minutes or whatever, to do it. Right. Right. But, um, yeah. If you had to nitpick, you know, yeah, the thing no. that that I wasn't the thing that I was impressed in this episode with both of these is um they need to describe uh 
the mechanics of owning a corporation to kids. <laughs> For example, like Lucius Foss, he's the CEO. What is that? Well, he runs the company. Was in the Bruce's company. Well, yeah, but you know, companies are. And then there's like they're talking about stock exchange and um, buying out shareholders. And then they use phrases like, um, you know, I, I need their distribution or you know, they they mention some stuff that's kind of over the head of the average twelve year old, mm-hmm. which is the age I was when this came out. Um, right. But uh, listening to it now, I thought it was pretty good because it all kind of makes sense too you know like it holds yeah. up for adults even if kids don't understand it uh, it didn't treat them like kids right yeah and i mean that's one of the the, the strengths of the show in general is i think that they they're they're not really playing to kids they're they are but they're but they're playing a little bit higher than than most shows usually do yeah yeah um shit what was i gonna say oh uh i i think you know, usually this stuff bothers me more, but in this one, I don't think it bothers me that much. Is did you feel like the actual, the the secondary plot there of uh, of Wayne being framed and stuff? Did you think that got tied up like really, you know, loosely? <laughs> oh yeah, That's, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, hey, uh, Master Bruce, what should I tell the cops? They keep uh, showing up to arrest you. <laughs> oh, well, tell them. Uh, you, oh, you can just tell the cops he's not home, and they'll just go away. <laughs> Yeah. Gee, I can see why Gotham has collected all this crime after all these years. If that's the mo of GCPD. Yeah, and and the the scene at the end where uh, uh, Clayface is freaking out and and doing the T one thousand thing where he's turning into all the different forms that he's taken. <laughs> yeah. And he just also happens to turn into Bruce Wayne when the cops happen to be there, and they're I, like, yeah, "Oh, yeah, that is clearly oh that what yeah, happened," yeah. and it. <laughs> That, that's a lot more plausible, I guess, than right. Bruce Wayne actually doing it. <laughs> and, and then at the, even at the end, um, when in that final Summer Gleason report, she she's just like I think they like they they the point where they drop in on her is her being like, and John and uh, Daggett will be serving thirty years in prison or something like that. Where there's <laughs> like there's no point in the show where he gets arrested. Yeah. Or even there's really there's really no proof that he did anything. Just the, the Clayface shows up on that TV show and jumps him. Yeah. I mean, is assaulting Batman a crime? Uh, I mean, it's assault, I guess. Does, does but... Batman press charges, though? Uh, yeah, he presses charges by <laughs> pressing his fist into your face. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't see Batman going down to the local precinct and be like, Hey, you'll never believe this. <laughs> Clayface attacked me. I want him arrested immediately. I need to file a report, please. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's the voice to use. <laughs> he was totally a douchebag. I was just trying I, to help him. I like his I, movies. I've been here for three hours and no one has helped me yet. <laughs> and you're also out of cucumber water. This is why I take the law into my own hands, because honestly, there's really understaffed here and I have places to be. <laughs> oh, God, this can go on forever. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Just wait till we get to the Bane episodes. <laughs> oh man! Well, luckily, Although, uh, Bane in this sounds like a Russian Mexican accent. At yeah, the same I was going to say the, the Bane the Bane voice in the in the cartoon is unfortunately different than the Bane voice in the movie. Yeah. Uh, before we leave the uh, Bruce Wayne getting arrested, uh, mm-hmm. would you think Bruce Wayne would allow himself to get arrested? Uh, I want to. Well, I guess it depends on the situation. Um. I mean, well, I guess it, this this one's kind of an interesting case because I, I don't see how he could have got out of there without making a scene and making it look worse than it already did. But at the same time, 
is he like banking on the? I mean, he's he's a bajillionaire. Of course, I guess right. he's just gonna pay bail no matter what. Right. And he should have just answered the door and be like, "Can I just write you a check now?" <laughs> I mean, but what they he's wanted for assault or attempted murder. Do they yeah. let you go off on bail for that? I mean, it seems like with his resources, he would be a flight risk. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, he would be, uh, what is it, remanded, remanded right. or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to bring the crashing truth of adult reality on this kid's, kid's <laughs> show, but, I, you know, the other argument I could see happening is... Um, also, well, kids, kids swallowing a bunch of makeup will not turn you into a giant <laughs> shape-shifting monster, so... <laughs> Um, but the other thing is, uh, I mean, you, you really can't in a kid's show have the main character, who's a good guy, buck the police and be like, nope, I'm not just going to let myself get arrested. Fuck that. I mean, yeah. you do want to answer law and order. So I could see the argument for like, well, it's a kid's show. That Bruce Wayne should go in and acknowledge the law and go through due process. But if this was a Nolan movie, I feel like he would just lie and say he was in China and then be able to operate freely in Gotham for as long as he needed, you know? Yeah, I think there would definitely be. Well, I was actually thinking about that in the first scene when when uh, uh, when Lucius gets you know knocked out and then just happens to say it was Bruce Wayne when the cops show up. Right. Uh, because I was thinking, oh, well, that's interesting because technically Bruce Wayne doesn't have an alibi because he's currently there as Batman. Right. But I'm sure that Batman has that shit in place for every single night he's out. Yeah, he's got like a robot Bruce in every. Or blow up Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) He has a different member of the ballet that he invites over and she passes out before he goes out to make it look like that he was there. I forgot that that happened. Which one was that? (laughs) I guess, well, there's, there's, there's no passing out, but he does, he does pull shit like that. Yeah. Where he, he's on the boat with the entire ballet team in Dark Knight or whatever. Oh, and they just, they, they all watch him leave though. Like they're all in on it, right? Uh, they're not. I don't think they're in on it, but they're just all. They don't care because they're just having fun oh. with Alfred. I thought I they watched him leave, and they're like, "Okay," like they were in on the secret, and like, "Well, we won't tell anybody." Woo! And you know, that was that. <laughs> so they know he's Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it is. It is either is it the best pickup line or is it the worst pickup line? You know, for that matter, if you got a city with Clayface on the loose, if I ever got arrested or accused of anything, I would just say it was Clayface acting like me. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a pretty convenient alibi. Sure, pal. Whatever you say. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the look of Clayface? Like, just the general design of him? Because I noticed that they they rework him when they um, when they go to the new Batman and Robin adventures or whatever. And I think, I think it's a case of pushing him where he didn't need to be pushed. Because I think his design is pretty great. Yeah. I mean, I felt it was very similar anyway. I mean, they took out a lot of the line work to make it easier for animators. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what that really gets you other than making it easy for animators. <laughs> yeah, I noticed they changed his face, too. Because that's, I mean, oddly enough, for a giant mud monster, his face is the, the best part of it because it's very expressive yeah. and it has a very clear sculpt to it and stuff. Yeah. And I thought I, th- I thought that the uh, the rework kind of lost a little bit of that character. Yeah, I think you, yeah, you might be right. The only time they really used him was the episode where he had a daughter type of character. Oh, really? I know they do. Oh, man. I remember there being a really great episode with him in Batman Beyond where uh, uh, I can't remember exactly what happens, but they uh, Batman has to go down and they tracks him back to some underground thing where he's become like 
he's so old that he's become like fossilized as part of the bedrock of Gotham City or something. It was it was really cool. Oh, cool. Maybe we'll get there one day. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the way we're recording these, we take a lot of breaks. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who knows? We we started before Trump, and now here we are, like six episodes later. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a nice recap uh, for people, or for us at least. Yes, yeah. But uh, I mean, I think that's about it. Do you want to? Uh, do you have anything? What's the the part uh, that you would draw if you could? Um, well, I think you kind of covered it with the we... uh, bad plane. Yeah, I was. I, I didn't know if there's something else specific that you had for that. Yeah, man. I don't know. I mean, honestly, Clayface. I have him in my Batman comic, and I've only drawn him once or twice, and I feel mm-hmm. like I need more practice. It's it's funny because a character like that, you think it would be easy, but it's a lot harder than you think. Yeah. I don't know what it is, or with you, for me anyway. Like I don't feel like I've gotten the character down until I'm an issue into it at least. How mm-hmm. do you how do you feel about that? Yeah, I feel the same way generally because you know, especially I don't know how much uh, character design you do before you start drawing. I mean, I guess it's probably relative for what whatever characters that you you know how how prominent they are. Right. But uh, I feel like I get I get better drawing it as I go on because once I have the character locked in from like the first issue I'm more comfortable doing the uh, you know kind of roughing him in in the layout stages right which keep, keeps it a little bit looser and gets you gets you broken into it a little bit more move going forward yeah yeah I, uh, I'm guilty of not doing enough concept art before I start I'm just too mm-hmm. impatient I just launch into pages but what I'll do is I'll design on the page. So I'll pick a panel where I'm like, all right, this is Clayface's big reveal. So, you know, this is where it has to matter. And I'll come up with my ideas there. But then I'll have to refer back to that panel and other panels. And as right. I draw him more and more, I'll start to, like, piece together his costume or his, his you know, his shape a bit more. But it's not the best way to do it because on other characters that have, like, complicated costumes, later on in the issue, they'll need a pocket or a pouch. And of course, right. I'll, I won't have thought to, you know, drawn that on panel one. So I'll have to go back and tweak it. And it's not well, the way can, to work, but this is the way I do it. You can just do it like they do on The Simpsons, where there'll be one shot with Homer <laughs> with a watch on, oh. <laughs> which means that he'll look at his watch in the next scene, and then <laughs> that watch will then disappear, and you'll never see it again. You know, it's funny. There is a line between a comic. Like, is it a cartoon? Are you okay leaving the character in the same outfit? over and over and over again yeah uh, and how, I don't know. S- how simple are you allowed to get away with before you really should just really you should just design those shoes fine yeah. or design that jacket <laughs> you know like there's no reason you're not a cartoon you don't have to but i think we think in terms of cartoon and then we complicate that cartoon but some of the cartooniness never really gets weeded out yeah you know i i was actually thinking about that um this this book i'm working on now is takes place in like the uh the punk scene <clears throat> yeah and it's it's just about regular regular people, but it happens over the course of you know I don't know how many weeks or whatever. And I was thinking about that. I was like, shit. So do I have to come up with different clothing for these people for every different day? Yeah. Or do you keep them in the same shit? Or do you like give everybody a jacket so they kind of have the one jacket that they wear that's kind of the same thing all the time right like, you know how yeah how realistic do you do you get with something that is a, a more down-to-earth in story you know right Cause, i mean you can get away with that stuff in in superhero comics or stuff that's a little bit more uh yeah uh, out there but something more down-to-earth yeah i don't know yeah you know this is this reminds me of a uh, twitter poll i asked last week 
I asked people um, what their top three pet peeves were when they read comics. Like, what takes you out of the story? And uh, a lot of the answers are what you would expect, like bad drawing, duh. Um, blank faces was, was one. Um, really? Yeah, like for background characters, just leaving Ugh. faces blank. You try. I, <laughs> you should respond. You try drawing faces on those <laughs> tiny heads, and then That's see true. how quickly you go insane. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mostly I try to make it a habit not to attack my my readers <laughs> for their <laughs> valid opinions. Um, mostly. Mostly, yeah. <laughs> but um, I uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, uh, samey clothing was a big pet peeve. Huh. Like across characters or for this for one character, you mean? You draw in a crowd. What is the guy wearing? A uh, t-shirt. What does he have on for oh, pants? Uh, yeah. Jeans. How about the guy next yep. to him? A uh, t-shirt. Uh, long, long sleeve t-shirt, you know? Yeah. It's yep. really hard to make everybody different and draw everything in perspective and draw the car and the weather and the rain. Yeah. Uh, some of I, the things are going to just slip through, you know? Yeah, I, I that was a I ran into that exact thing in this book that I'm doing. is because the last few pages take place... Uh, at a club where there's obviously a bunch of people and it's a punk, you know, it's a punk show and I didn't want to have everybody with mohawks, but I didn't want to have like, you know, like where, where do you draw the line? It's like, do I, I have 25, 30 people in this crowd. Do I want to be like, all right, I have to design a unique punk outfit for every one of these characters that you're never going to see again and that you're only kind of seeing in shadow anyway. Right. Or do you just go, yeah, they all kind of got weird hair and earrings and sometimes they have cut off shirts and, you know, like there's, yeah. I feel like there's a, a general, a generality you can, you can do. That's fine. Yeah. I, that's when I did punk rock Jesus, that's what I did. And it's yeah. also a critique on punkers because, you yeah. know, they all want to say they're different. Come on. That was the break. other thing too. I was looking at all these pictures, right? I'm looking at these old pictures of punks and stuff and I'm like, you know, they all kind of wear the same thing. It's all kind of like a vest and, you know, yeah. boots. Yeah. It's like everyone in the crowd shouting, I am unique at the exact same time. And yes. You're not unique if you're all shouting at once. Right. Oh, and I, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier today before we started the show, but man, tattoos, oh, hate it. Yeah. Hate it. Because that's like, take take what you're saying about having design unique shirts and stuff for everybody, mm-hmm. and then divide it up into you have to do that like five times on a person's arm yeah you know, and, honestly, it, and it can't look dumb <laughs> and it has to curve around their muscles and fingers and it has to wrap around like cylinder yep. cylindric whatever objects yeah honestly there was a there's a cheat that I, I hate but i don't judge people who use it um like this artist kyle baker uh one of my favorites did this book called you are here Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he had a character with tattoos, and he had the sense to draw tattoos flat on a separate sheet of paper and then just Photoshop, cut and paste it on every time you saw this guy's body. Oh, yeah. yeah. He has a very animated cartoon style, so it kind of worked. But if you zoom in on that character's arm enough, it won't work. Like, that's when it tends to fall apart, that, that kind of cheating, you know? Yeah, I think if it's if it's a character that you're gonna see a lot and the tattoos are really prominent, that's probably one way to do it. Right. Um, but yeah, that's the other thing. I haven't really found a way to do it that feels organic. You know. Yeah. Because yeah. it just ends up looking like yeah. you're screwed. You know how the uh, comic book graffiti wall graffiti. That's another one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's the same kind of thing where it's like uh, someone's just writing some words here on a wall, and it's you know it's, right. it's a weird it's a weird thing to have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. I always forget, or even just signage. 
Um, yep. Uh, you try to make, you make it a sign, but then you want to make it a specific sign. And then if you do it too well, then people are staring at that sign, looking at you know Gotham's best cup of coffee in the background, right, and right. they're not reading the story. So you you should be deliberate in what you choose to render. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I suppose that line is always moving depending on where you are, what, what's appropriate in which panel, you know. Well, you covered the tattoo thing pretty well in Punk Rock Jesus by just having that one guy have crosses all over him. So well, that, well, that was I was going to mention that. Um, I knew so. There's this character named Thomas whose nickname was the Cemetery because he has a Christian cross on his back for every person he's murdered, and his back is filled with different sized crosses at this point. So he looks mm-hmm. like a cemetery. Uh, I had the sense to cover him up with a T-shirt for the most part for most yeah. of the book, but there are a few panels where I'm like, all right, this is where I got to make a count. And I purposefully a cross is not a hard tattoo to design on flesh. Like it's just right, two, right. two lines crossing each other. So that I got away with a little bit of ease. But I was gonna say, um, whether, whether you're talking about logos, textures, punk rock, leather jackets, you know, whatever, the solution to all this stuff, including you know guns and pistols and weapons, is draw messy because yeah. you can scribble your way through all kinds of bullshit, and the reader yep. will be fine. Yep, that's hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you do have to earn it. If you're going to have a guy covered with guns, you should have that panel where he's first seen so people can go, oh, look at those pouches. But from that point on, his pouches are scribbles, and that's just, yep. what, that's just what's going to happen. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, was, I was recently – I was working on this project that didn't end up happening. Um, well, they ended up going a different direction. And uh, they had already uh, done the concept work for this character who was this main character and this – the big thing about him was that he, his entire body had these really specific tattoos. Yeah, fuck that. And they, yeah, they sent me the concept art, and they had done it. The person who had been working on it before had been like a like a like a computer painter, so they had he had had these really beautiful tattoos on it, and they were like of seashells and like fish scales and this really cool stuff. And I'm like, how the fuck am I going to draw this? Yeah, and make it look right over and over, if not even once. And I did a couple. Uh, test drawings of it and i mean i didn't even really like it i'm glad i didn't end up doing it but yeah yeah it would have been a pain in the ass right yeah you get it's funny because you get to those characters and you're willing you're wondering how much work are you willing to put into this character every time you have to draw them and uh i'm what my my bane uh is more of like a mexican wrestler type yeah Mm -hmm. and uh so i went with a lot of these like mexican paisley patterns on cloth like really decorative fun stuff yeah, and I I, t- I got five minutes into rendering his mask, and I'm like, nope, I'm already bored. <laughs> I can't even do it on this intro shot. Like, I'm I'm sorry, everybody, but I'm not that good of an artist to want to do this. <laughs> no Paisley's for Bane. Aww. <laughs> I think I I gave him a few to give him an impression, but I'm I'm not gonna spend all my yeah. Well, with that one too, you get your close up shot you get the detail in and you're not going to see most of that stuff from far away anyway right yeah. so yeah. well that's the thing that's one thing that I was going to ask you about uh, I tend to draw characters from far away like I'll, I'll sort of start them out far away so I'll draw like alright uh, basic pointy dress shoes check and then I'll draw that woman in the foreground and I'm really looking at her shoes now and now I have to actually design those shoes yeah but I forget to like I'll zoom in on a t-shirt and I'll forget to add stitching, which you should add if you're going to zoom in that close. Like yeah. designing uh, simple lets you be lazy if you're not careful when you have those zoom in panels, you know? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, the, uh, the uh, especially if you're doing um, 
like I, I'm, this other thing I'm doing with Oni is this. Uh, it takes place on Mars, and it's kind of in a, kind of kind of in the future. Yeah. And there's not there hasn't been a ton of background characters that I've had to deal with, but when I have gotten to these sequences when I'm it's like you know uh, like a like a Blade Runner type street shot with a bunch of people walking around, mm-hmm. I start drawing these characters, and I'm like, wait a minute. I'm just sort of drawing everybody with like a hooded sweatshirt on because I, yeah. you know, what's what do people wear in the near future on Mars at night? I I don't know. <laughs> and, yeah, I think you know, sweat, could, sweatshirts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, and it's you're not spending enough time with them to really be like, you know, I, I got to break out my Mobius books to start, yeah. to, st- to start designing really unique stuff. But at the same time, if you fall into that trap, it could be every like the like the people in your poll are complaining about everybody's just wearing t-shirts which is a huge that's a huge thing for me when you see i've seen a lot of comics where you see uh here's the main characters and it's like five people in jeans and t-shirts and it's mm-hmm. like yeah, i know maybe you're working with what you know here but you can probably stretch your imagination a little bit yeah yeah i was uh doing a book i was gonna do a book with brian wood once for Wildstorm called deviate mm-hmm. and I I met him once. He's a sort of a New York hipster type, um, and he really was he really fixated on their clothing, like way more than I was was prepared for. Mm-hmm. So I did all these character designs. So you take this these characters are of a superhero team called Deviate, and he wanted to make them all contemporary with street clothes. All right, so I gave I went you know hooded red sweatshirts and jeans and you know and I had some idea of fashion I was going to add later on. And I really wanted to get into the story and talk about um, the layouts and where it was headed. And Brian just wanted to talk about the textures on the t-shirts and whether yeah. the, the tassels on the hood were correct. And he's so fixated on that shit. Mm. And um, uh, yeah, I'm glad that the, I ended up not doing that book. <laughs> and Brian, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but fuck off. <laughs> you care way well, too much about clothes. <laughs> well, you heard it here first. Sean Murphy hates Brian Wood. So, well, we will be wrapping up. Uh but yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. That's uh, <laughs> sometimes you get caught up in those details, and if you've, especially if you're not the person drawing it, you know, it's like you're using your 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 uh, the generator that you've hired that you have. Sometimes you can feel like you have total control over, but maybe you need to give him a little bit of space. Right. Yeah. Um, or you could just refer to him as B Wood or or <laughs> Brian W. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Saved. Yes. It's like it's like the writer is Matt Hagen and the artist is the clayface material. There we go. <laughs> Ooh. Brought it all back around. Man, look at that. That's a good ending, man. <laughs> uh, what would you uh, what would you rate the clayface episodes? Oh yeah, we gotta rate this. <laughs> as a, uh, as a, I guess, just rate them as a whole, or if you, you can break them off if you want. Oh, I do. Matter. I do a five for the second one, and I do like a three and a half for the first one. Yeah, I think I would do five and three because um, yeah. I think the story is. The first one is good, but I just don't think the 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 mechanics. I mean, the uh, the animation really holds up very well. But uh, yeah, yeah. as overall, I think it's 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 pretty good, and and the second half is is really great. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I go with that's, that. Yeah, that's gonna do it for Feet of Clay Part One and Part Two. Next time, we will oh, be boy. back with. <laughs> no, I want to know. I forget. Oh, next time we'll be back with Prophecy of Doom and Joker's Favor. So we're gonna have another Joker episode. Oh, this Ooh. is our first Harley Quinn episode. The actually. first, the introduction to Harley Quinn. Yeah, I was gonna say we're gonna have another Joker episode, and hopefully it's a good one. Finally, it, yeah, kind it of is. been in the middle there. It is. It is a good one. Yeah, and but, I think this is why I never liked the Joker is because there's he's not really done well for 
at least the first season. Yeah. Um, but this upcoming episode is the first one that really nails him. Well, yeah, I think we talked about a little bit before how it's the the pre-existing characters kind of they they haven't really found a way into a lot of them, and Harley Quinn seems to be the way that they find to define right. the Joker, and it, right. it works really well. Yeah. Well, this one too. I, mean, we, I guess we should save this for the episode. But it's almost like they gave up on high concept ideas for Joker, and they're like, uh, what, "What if he just bothers a guy in traffic, and uh, he just harasses <laughs> this guy for like years, and that's it?" And, yeah. and ironically, it ended up working just fine, unlike yeah. their rocket ship Christmas tree and robot clown and all the other shit that they've tried with him so far. They all they had to do was sort of not make it so high concept, and then they started to get it. Yeah, I think it's it's gonna be I gonna be interesting to see how they change their approach to him, because uh, he is someone who's been done so many times, and I think I think that is had sort of been bleeding into this version a little bit too, uh, yeah, yeah. where they hadn't defined their Joker yet, and I think they're gonna start to get there pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, that is gonna do it for us. Uh, if you like this show, please rate and review us on iTunes. Yes, and, and tell us what you think about uh, Brown Lantern. Yes, and. Uh, Sean has already written the pitch. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a buddy buddy book with Green Lantern and Clayface. <laughs> all right, uh, I'm just gonna stop. Yeah, <laughs> pro- all right, let's get out of here. All right, we'll see you next time. All right. <laughs>